This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. You're listening to BGN Radio. He's at the 20, the 10. He is in for the touchdown. Coast to coast, Josh Huff. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Out of the woodwork, keeping in. We have made it to episode number 94. Uh, Brandon Lee Gouton, I can't think of it, any 94 jerseys off the top of my head. You got any 94s for me? Uh, I'm going to Google it right as we're talking. <laughs> I'm going to speak really slowly so I can delay it and then try to figure out who is This 94. feels really natural. <laughs> 94. Hey, how about this? Jason this Batman? one? No. No. 93, 93, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. I think Bo Allen is 94, isn't he? Oh, that's right. Bo Allen is 94. The Bo Allen episode of uh, of BGN Radio as we've made it here uh, about two weeks away, give or take a few days, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, I think we're all just pretty much uh, ready for this thing to start because I, I feel like we're on a Ferris wheel of just like, hey, Landon Collins, uh, Jalen Collins, Jalen Strong, like all these other names. We just wanted to, uh, you know, come out and be done and, and uh, all that good stuff and I know you guys are too, and uh, obviously we won't be getting too deep into some Mario to talk. But I have a feeling once we go to the BGN, uh, you know, anytime hotline, there might be a few Mario to questions there. But uh, let's welcome everybody in real quick. If you've heard a couple of voices already, but let's uh, welcome back into the program, Mr. BLG, Mr. Brandon Lee Gouton. What's happening? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, and of course, the uh, super podcast star, super producer from 97.5 The Fanatic, Mr. James Elzer. How are you, pal? Good, John. You're making me blush with these introductions. So. <laughs> and, and uh, Matt Daring. So, uh, moving on. No, I'm just <laughs> From our Eagles, Mr. Matt Daring, what's happening, buddy? You know, I just listened to the po- the Mothership's podcast, and I want to say, I don't want to brag, but I was also a psych major in college. <laughs> well, uh, not only are we uh, just kind of going to delve into some more draft stuff, take your questions, all that. Uh, Mike K, obviously, very, very busy since his move to Florida. He actually was down at the Florida Pro Day Caught up with uh, Mike Mayock. So out here today, obviously, we had Fowler, we had Orr, we had, uh, you know, the two linemen. 
Um, who do you think is probably the best fit for the Eagles out here today at Fuller's Pro Day? Well, the best fit won't be there at 20, and that's Dante Fowler. He's, he's awesome. Uh, he's my number one edge rusher in this draft, and um, he'll be going in the top five. So I, he's a great fit for any team. Um, the tackle is a starting tackle. Uh, he fits what Philadelphia does because he's so darn athletic. However, I'm not sure that's a priority this year. You know that, and at that point in the draft, I don't think they're drafting a tackle in the first round. So, uh, or makes sense on defense. Um, you got to figure the kid out a little bit because he quit the team, etc. But he, he could he could fit that five technique role for the Eagles. Uh, and all those offensive linemen are kind of interesting. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Andre DeBose, what does he kind of bring to the table? Obviously, he's a really good returner, but do you see him playing like a slot receiver, or wh- where do you, what do you envision him on, on the field? Uh, he's, he's really a return guy first and foremost, and um, I think most teams are looking at him that way, and, and because of that, I, I think he's probably more of a priority free agent than a draft pick. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. I wish you well, man. And also had a couple of minutes to talk to Mr. Trey Burton uh, on his thoughts on Chip Kelly and the moves that were made here. Obviously, Chip's made a lot of moves this offseason. James Casey was one of those. You blossomed as a special teamer, you know, after going undrafted. Do you think that you can fill James's role, and do you see that as an opportunity for you to get on the field on offense again? Um, if that's what they need me to do, you know, I'd be happy to do that. I don't think you can really replace a guy like James Casey. I mean, he's extremely valuable. The things he can do, um, just not many people in the NFL can do that. He's a special player, so I have the most respect for him. I'm extremely thankful for the things that he has taught me in my rookie year, and uh, I'm still you know, good friends with him and talk to him often. But if that's what they want me to do, um, and I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, you got a, a couple of honors because of your special teams work. How important is special teams at this level, especially with Clay coming out and probably having to do something similar to what you, you'll have to do? Again? Extremely, extremely important, especially coming as an uh, undrafted free agent. Um, and especially in my position, they didn't really know what, what I played. And they didn't know if I played running back or tight end or wide receiver. So um, being able to play special teams kept me there. And, uh, and I'm excited for this year and whatever Coach Kip has going on for us. So obviously they, they picked up Ryan Matthews, they picked up DeMarco Murray. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have to do a lot of blocking. Yeah. Are you excited about the opportunity to block for guys like that after also having to block for Shady? Yeah, I mean, they're great, great players, great running backs. We have an unbelievable group of guys. And, uh, I mean, like I said, if that's what they want me to do, I mean, I'm all for it. And I've been working a lot you know, on my technique and things like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, what do you think... Clay can learn from you as far as your experience last year. Obviously, he was with you through the whole ride. What what was that like for you to be able to, you know, one year later, reflect with your brother on your experience? I think he can learn a ton. Um, I had to take the unconventional route, you know, the route that no one really wants to take. But uh, I I appreciated the route and I appreciated the things I had to go through. And I, I have, you know, all the advice he could ever need, you know, because I've been through it. It's different when you talk to somebody who's been drafted, you know, about the about the situation and how it works, but if you talk to, if he goes undrafted and, you know, he has to talk to somebody undrafted, I know exactly what he has to go through. Are you training with him this offseason? I was, yes. Yes, I was. I'm heading back to Philly now. He'll, he'll go back to train at the facility in Tampa. What, what does it say about the state of Florida that they're able to have so many guys from the state come out? And, and really perform well in the NFL. Best state in the country. I mean, there's really not, nothing else I have to say about it. I mean, you can just look at the numbers. It's not even, not even close. And, of course, he'll be uh, sitting down with Damian Parms uh, later on in the show. He's safety from 
Florida Atlantic down there in FAU. Also talking with Anthony Jefferson. And we both talked to EJ uh, Bibbs, the tight end from Iowa State. Uh, just I think uh, just after uh, he got out of the combine. So uh, we'll have a little interview corner later on in the show. But Brandon, you know, we talked about it a little bit at the top. What is, uh, I guess, what's annoying you? Right now, what's the biggest annoyance? <laughs> is it is it just the time and the wait to get to the draft? Is it uh, you know a constant narrative that's been bothering you? What's what's your biggest annoyance uh, about the draft process right now? Um, you know, I actually don't think I have one. <laughs> believe it or not, I think, <laughs> I think I'm all just you know smooth sailing. But no, I, I kind of I just wanted to get here. Uh, it's, you know, it's two weeks away. I will say that this year is so much better than last year when it was, you know, it was taking place in like May 8th or whatever it was, like a week later. Like that was just horrible. That extra week just made a huge difference. So I'm pretty, just because of that, how how long we had to wait last year, I just, I feel it's so much better this year. I'm kind of like Brandon, but I, I'm just ready for it to get here. I I can't do any more of the will they or won't they talk and the, the, the mock drafts and the how many people have this guy going here and him going there and this and that and seven round mock drafts like that makes any sense whatsoever. So yes, you do have an annoyance. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm totally annoyed right now. Uh, No, I'm just, I'm ready for it to be here. I'm, I'm tired of all the, you know, the, pre-draft talk. I just want to know who's going to be an Eagle and who's not and move forward. And I'm sure that Matt has some, but on that, Matt, uh, who's like you, who's the guy that keeps coming up that will absolutely, you know, not fit amongst the Eagle crowd that continues to be in there somehow. Oh, as far as, uh, as far as players. Yes. Oh, I thought you wanted me to call out specific members of the Eagle crowd. Um, (laughs) You can, I mean, well, what the, the name that's on everyone's lips, uh, Landon Collins. I yeah, know Brian Dawkins. Hey, Brian, <laughs> Brian kiss Dawkins. is on my lips. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, uh, <laughs> Christ, uh, Landon <laughs> Collins. Yeah, he. Um, I'll be honest. I don't get it. Uh, I kind of think there's a decent chance that he really stinks. You know, if you want to tell me like, oh, you know, he could be okay up close to the line. I don't know. I don't really see that he sorts through traffic all that well. Um, he certainly looks kind of bad manned up. Um, if you want him to play deep and then and come up in run support after playing deep, I mean, that seems like that's sort of an odd, uh, an odd place to put someone. He just does, does nothing for me. Uh, you know, he might want to, he might, you might say he could get better. Okay. Maybe. But he certainly is not uh, not a guy for the Eagles whatsoever. Yeah. That's, I think that's, um, I, he continue. I mean, like, National people, local people, all that stuff. Landon Collins is like, hey, if he if he's still there at twenty, that's your guy to take, and it I, I, it really isn't. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think that there's. Um, I think the thing that uh, I saw Elliot Shore Park say it, I saw a bunch of other Eagles fans say it, is like, oh, his coverage his coverage isn't actually that bad. It's a little overblown, and maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. In some in certain situations, it's not as bad. It's just the instincts of, of of that. I mean, like, he's more of a linebacker than anything. He's late on a lot of those coverages, especially some of the – somebody posts some of the, you know, the, the gifs or gifs or whatever of, of him. is like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. He's actually not that bad in coverage, and he's two steps late from getting to the ball. Uh, so – I Again, I don't know. Am I? Uh, it, do you think it's a little overbone here, Brandon? Is the uh, coverage skills 
uh, is still there for you? Would you be comfortable with Landon Collins at 20? I was reading a great piece that, you know, Shield wrote on Jill Capadia on Birds 24-7 about how Collins doesn't fit the Eagles' defense. And, you know, Shield's the man. He knows his football. He knows everything. And he was talking about how, you know, the Eagles like to use two safeties interchangeably. They don't really have a strong safety and a free safety. They They have two safeties who they like to be versatile. And usually the mold of Eagles safeties, the ones that they've they've shown interest in, are usually safeties who also can kind of play cornerback or have that kind of experience. And, you know, Landon Collins is, is far from capable of being able to play cornerback. So I, I really just don't think he fits at all from from what they want. I just don't think it's a realistic fit. At the same time, the only thing that makes me wonder is the is the Ed Mar- Ed Manowitz. Uh, yeah. Alabama bias. I mean, maybe there's something to that. I mean, I don't really think that's a major yeah, factor right. or anything, but who knows? They also have Joe Panunzio there, who was the director of you know football personnel for Alabama. So even though yes, they haven't shown interest in all that stuff, I still get that pit in my stomach where it's like, ah, surprise, we're going to take him anyway because we know him best and all, all that other good stuff. But um, uh, you know, along with that, we also, of course, uh, just a reminder: you can call us at any time. Don't be afraid to leave us a message. Uh, a question, a comment, as long as it's under a minute, we'll probably get to it. And let's go to it right now on the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. This is Jay from uh, down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Just trying to figure out what Chip Kelly's doing. Um, Everyone's saying he's turning over the roster because he wants his guy. Um but he won 20 games with the other guys, players. I mean, we were a couple guys away from doing what we needed to do. Everybody says, well, let him build his team. Um, we only needed a couple players. Just like in the, the Reed era, we added T.O., we went to the Super Bowl. It's just that type of thing. What is Kelly thinking? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll let I'll go to James on this first, but, um, you know, I, I don't think this team was anywhere close to a couple of pieces away like it was like it was in 2004 when they added T.O. But James, you know what? I mean, what is what is Chip Kelly doing in your mind? Well, I mean, just to the point of they weren't that far away. They were a four and 12 team when he took them over. I mean, let's not forget that they were far away. All right. So, uh, I mean, as far as what he's doing, I think he's building the team in an image that he wants. And I don't think it's that confusing. I don't think there's that much of a of a question here. He doesn't you know, he came in, he had guys, he found a way to make it work with those guys, but he wants to, you know, as to quote Jeffrey Lurie, he wants to go from good to great, and he's doing what he thinks he has to do to get there. I, you know, I don't think it's that confusing. Whether it will work or not is a different question. But in terms of what he's doing, I think he's clearly trying to build a team that he believes can be great. We've seen a few people touch on it. I think uh, I think Lurie has talked about it, and Chip has too, and they both said this phrase, good to great. Um, and they and this is apparently according to um, Mark Saltavit is a, is a book, but uh, I think it's I think it's something hard. I think you know uh, everybody's got their own little theories. A lot of pop psychologists do certainly about about how you get from good to great. But I I don't know if I don't know if you were just going to if we were just going to get there by 
you know, continuing to build and seeing how it goes and build around Nick Foles and drafting a safety and, you know, safety away, that kind of stuff. I don't know if uh, Chip really felt that that was the way to do it. Uh, I think he's been good. Uh, I think that at times his team was great. At times his team was dominant. But I think overall it's sort of, you know, and then you have the San Francisco game. Uh, I think overall it's been they've been good, but they haven't been great. So I, I just have to assume he wants to make that he wants to make that leap at uh, it seems like everything he's doing, he's he's trying to do something, trying to get taking advantage of something, and I assume we're gonna we'll see more about it, uh, you know, as the season wears on. Um, I don't think the, any of these things have been perfect, and I don't think Sam Bradford's exactly, you know, what we had in mind. But uh, you know, uh, Chip talked a little bit too about um, about taking advantage of injured players. I sort of think that um, you know, if we take in five injured players and one of them gets hurt again. Uh, but the other four end up being pretty good. I still think that that's a pretty decent gamble to take. Uh, speaking of a safety away, let's go to Lawrence. Hello, my name is Lawrence. Uh, I'm a big fan of both BGN Radio and, of course, the Eagles. And uh, I had a question about the Eagles that's been uh, circulating around my mind for a little while now. If Marcus Mariota falls, uh, pick number 20, do you guys think that right now, um, considering the circumstances with the Sam Bradford trade and, and all that, that they would use that pick to grab Marcus Mariota or that they would continue to patch up uh, some of the other holes, such as safety. Um, it doesn't seem right now like like Chip Kelly from his chip con- from his uh, conferences that he's all that interested in, uh, in Marcus Mariota or at least trading up to get him. But uh, what would they do if uh, Marcus Mariota did fall? I'm just, I'm curious to, to, know what your guys' opinion on that is. Uh, BLG, Mariota's still there at 20. Do they select him or do they go safety or fill another need? Are you guys kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> do I have to answer this? Yeah, of course. Of course they select yeah, yeah. Mariota. And hey, I've been saying all along that I really don't think it's crazy to think it could happen. I mean, I look back to last year where Teddy Bridgewater falls all the way to, what, 32. Johnny Manziel falls to 22 where the Eagles were and the the Browns traded up. Obviously those guys aren't the same player, different circumstances and all, but you know, I don't think it's crazy to think he could fall maybe not to 20, but maybe to within reasonable range where you can trade up. So I kind of almost don't buy all this talk that he's going number two right now. I just, I don't think uh, that's realistic. I think, if anything, that's more of the Titans trying to create a trade market and they're trying to get someone to bite. I don't think they really like him. Uh, I don't think a lot of those other top teams are going to take him. So it'll be interesting to see who jumps because I think he might fall within range. I don't know if it'll be the Eagles. The Saints are looming. The Chargers are looming. The Bears uh, are looming as well. The Bears are looming. I, that's, I, my, I, that's my dark horse team right there. Chicago. Me yeah. too. In Chicago, think about how crazy that place would get with the draft in Chicago if the Bears oh somehow. My gosh. Oh my god! Yeah, Absolutely. I think uh, the Bears are definitely my they pick to, to engender. Shit their pants yeah, they need to engender themselves to their fans somehow right now. That is not a happy fan base, and that would be one way to do it in Chicago for the draft. Final question. Hi, uh, Robert Phillips. I uh, like your show. But I'm interested in uh, what the name of that song is when you close the show out. Thank you. That, uh, my friend Robert, is actually, it's not a full song. It's just a, it's just a beat from the, the Blanco Boys beats, and you can find them on our SoundCloud page. I'll make sure to tweet that out uh, somewhere, but they are they do awesome work, and we're very, very, very happy to uh, be able to use them. 
I know we I like to call them the white boys personally. <laughs> That's just me. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll get back into some draft stuff, but uh, we did sit down with uh, EJ Bibbs uh, earlier uh, about a month ago and uh, just uh, chatted him uh, just after the combine. Check in with him, an Iowa State guy. So I was a little disappointed in that, and as I told him, but. Uh, is still a great guy to root for, great tape, and I think an underrated tight end going into this draft class. So here is uh, EJ Bibbs uh, with us last month. And uh, joining us now on the Duncan Philly Hotline, we are proud. Well, I mean, you know, he's an Iowa State guy, so I won't say we're totally proud. Uh, but uh, we welcome in uh, tight end uh, EJ Bibbs uh, right now on the Duncan Philly Hotline. EJ, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. I'm phenomenal. Fantastic. What was... um. We, I mean, first and foremost, what was the combine uh, process like? You know, you know, it was great. It was a great experience being down there and uh, working. You know, trying to get yourself on a team. And any uh, any interesting uh, questions during the interview process? I know we've been asking a lot of that, but uh, any weird ones stick out? Uh, not really. It was uh, basic questions about your life, and uh, it was pretty much it about the interviews. It wasn't too hard, too like you know, too easy. It was just simple questions. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, and speaking of that, you actually. You know, started your career as a, a JUCO at uh, Arizona Western. That's right. And then, what was so? What was that like? You know, going through that process. Uh, it was tough. Yeah, uh, coming from Chicago and going out there to seeing nothing but desert. You know, and palm <laughs> trees and stuff like that. So, uh, it was a big change for me. You know, it was a lot of transportation. With uh, that JUCO is uh, like seven, eight miles away from everything. So. Uh, it was pretty tough, but it made me grow up and made me realize that I got some special going on in my future. You chose to transfer to Iowa State over some big schools like Oklahoma and Arkansas. What led you to that decision? Uh, I was basically my head coach, and uh, I had my recruiting coach, Coach Wells. Uh, he was a tight end coach, but, you know, the reason. But uh, it, was, it was those two guys that got me going there. And um, I like the offense. It was the offense that they going to use me, and uh, they came out to be a great opportunity going there. And you were one of the, you know, standout offensive players in the Big 12 last season and, uh, you know, one of the best tight ends in the country. But how has that pressure of, of change now that you got to be an NFL spro- uh, prospect? Has your preparations changed? Have your goals changed? What, uh, what are you going through now? Uh, you know, my goal as far as in going into that, my college career, that same year, uh, it was a little setback. My first two games, I got hurt during the summer camp. And, uh, you know, I had to change my mentality of uh, – I didn't approach the game, you know, it's, it's hard coming back from an injury and then start playing and come back early. So um, I take it day by day as far as in the injury for my season. But, you know, thinking about NFL, I haven't really thought about that so much. I'm just trying to, you know, work hard right now to get, get my butt on the team. Uh, you're from Chicago, like you said. Uh, were you grow a Bears fan growing up? Oh man, you know I'm a Bears fan now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have, I mean, like, yeah, the, I, uh, I guess like, uh, the old school history of the Bears don't really have any standout tight ends, but the, you know, did you grow up any you know uh, liking anybody, Greg Olson or anything, anybody like that that was still with the Bears organization? Uh, I used to, I, I, no, not really. I really didn't look at the tight end because uh, growing up, I was I used to play running back. So uh, my running back growing up was Ward Don. He used to play for the Buccaneers and Falcons. Oh, nice. So uh, I used to look up to him and. And then I started getting a little taller and a little bigger during the high school, so they moved me to receiver. Then I guess my speed went fast enough to play receiver at JUCO, so um, ended up playing tight end. So EJ, what is what is one thing that you think you can do better in the in this tight end class than anybody else in the draft? Uh, it'd probably be um, catching the ball. Um, growing up with my dad, my dad teaching me ways to catch the ball is one of the things I kept going as a kid, a kid to hear right now. So um, just be, be able to 
catch the ball. Awesome. Well, uh, EJ Ibs, uh, tight end from Iowa State, uh, we thank you so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio, sir. Thank you. And a big thank you uh, to him once again for uh, sitting down with us. And I guess the uh, BLG, the other thing that a lot of people have been talking about is just what what aren't you comfortable with at 20 if they stay there? I mean, I, I know there's a ton of names thrown out there. Um, I, at first, I think I, I was all about just whatever the best available wide receiver was. But depending on who's still there, I mean, if if Byron Jones is still there, um, are, are you okay with that? Would if is drafting Eric Rowe over guys like Jalen Strong or Nelson Aguilar or anything like that? Um, do you think that's a better suit for what they need to do because you can, you know, get a wide receiver later? Or how do you kind of fall out versus cornerback versus wide receiver versus another position down there? When it comes to positions like that, uh, I think wide receiver is so deep in this class. I'm really not in a in the in the, the 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 camp that like you need to just take the best one there at twenty. I, I really think you could wait on, at wide receiver till now even the mid rounds, depending on how things go. Uh, uh, I, I, well, no, <laughs> well, or or right, or maybe the second round even. I I think at least there will be a good wide receiver there at fifty two. I or you know maybe there's one you know like they, they did last year where they they traded up for J Matt. I think they they don't have to rush to get a wide receiver at all. I just don't think that. And then, depending on who's on the board, I think Byron Jones makes a ton of sense. Just from the he, he's everything Chip likes. He character captain, uh, talented player, extreme athlete. Like he's just he fits uh, New Hampshire bias as well. So obviously he didn't play there, but you know New England bias rather. You know he's he's from that area, and Chip Kelly loves that area of the country. So yeah, I just think he really fits. So yeah, I think I think Jones makes a lot of sense there. I, I really think at this point that's where I'm expecting them to go. Uh, you know, funny and Brandon will like this too. And I forgot uh, I forgot who tweeted it out. I think it was Seamus, but I, th- I think Chip Kelly and Brett Brown used to get hammered together in New Hampshire. Uh, I saw that article the other day, and it just made me love them both instantly. Yeah, I don't know what article this is from. It was on NBA dot com apparently. Uh, I'll read it for you. It's a coincidence that Brown is in Philadelphia. Down the street from Wells Fargo Arena, where the 76ers play, Eagles coach Chip Kelly is turning the NFL on its ear with his innovative practices in go-go offense. Brown is very familiar with Kelly from their college days in New England. He was at UNH when I was at Boston University, and he lived with my roommate, my high school best friend, Brown said of Kelly. So we, we would go out and we'd have several beers many times when we were 22. The stories he would tell about me are all <laughs> ugly. It's quite amazing we ended up in the same city. So from time to time, we'll have dinner and share ideas. And I'm sorry I didn't read that in my Brett Brown. Yeah, we needed some Brett Brown voice, voice there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I can think of. Uh, we used to get drunk together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still not. I'm still a little mad at Brett Brown because he thinks the hot dog is not a sandwich. And it's clearly a sandwich. That's it's a clearly whole, a sandwich. It's a whole, whole other topic for another day. But you know, uh, James, what are what would you do position battle wise? Uh, there or would you forego cornerback wide receiver and just go you know what just give me Jake Fisher and we'll we'll figure it out or something along those lines yeah I would take the best player available I I think last boo! year what a weekend yeah. boo sorry sorry <laughs> but look last year last year they went for need they said we want a pass rusher we need a pass rusher 
pass rushers are are thin after this point in the draft. I don't want them to take someone because they think it gets thin after that. I want them to take someone who is going to be a legitimately good player in the NFL. Marcus Smith, we'll see. Not looking good right now. So, you know, I, I just want them to take the best player available. Yes, I, I would prefer it fit a need. I'd prefer it be an O-lineman or a cornerback or a wide receiver. But, uh, you know, I, I just want the best player available on the board. Uh, the guy who... Uh, they think is going to have the best career to to take that guy, uh, Matt. Sexy, but it, you know it is. I mean, and I would be fine with Jake Fisher. I would love Jake Fisher. They need O line help. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Uh, well, as far as Brandon, ugh, <laughs> I I just I I'm I hate with Brandon though. That's no, I I I hate that. I hate this thought that like, well, you know, okay, we don't need to take this guy because we can get another guy. You know, just take the guy. Don't don't mess around. And then guess what? You can probably still get that other guy as well. I would do with it. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I said, let's double dip, you know, let's do it. Like, let's get excited about it. Um, and I really think that that's still in the cards. So as for me, who I would take is I would. Yeah, I would take one of the best players. And I, I think it's nice because I think that's going to line up nicely with what we need to do. Uh, you know, whether or not it's going to be a wide receiver and offensive lineman. I mean, there's probably five wide receivers and six offensive linemen and then, you know, four pass rushers that I'd really like at 20. And then, you know, you add in some other players, you're thinking uh, at least two or three of those guys is going to be is going to be there. But what if they here's my thing. What if they double dip on let's say they go Jalen Strong, but then they double dip and go Devin Funchness, who's 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 also been rumored there. And I've heard a couple of uh, things that said that they're actually really interested in them. What kind of double dip excitement does that? I mean, what does that do for you if they go that way? I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me. I like both those players well <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah, I just don't. Plus, it'd be fun to say funchness Funch. for the next few years. I, I, and I don't mind those guys really either. I, I, I'm just kind of with Brandon. I don't think I could. I don't think I could pull the trigger on on one of those if if Byron Jones is still on the board or if uh, Eric Rose still on the board. I know that's a bit of a reach, but this is the this is the the thing too. Is most of that. That whole range is reach. Twenty to forty. Yeah, years. I was about to say. I think that I think that twenty is right where you get around to that. There's a sort of like an elbow or another kind of plateau where you're talking about. All right, you know, you have you have like your top five to seven guys, and then you have like another ten to twelve guys, maybe fifteen guys, and then after that, you've got like thirty guys who I think it's all sort of in the mix, um, and uh, you know, maybe a little more than that, but you're you're rounding out your top sixty where more or less everybody kind of agrees that these guys are within the top 60 players. And then after that, it's all up in the air. So as far, as far as that goes, I think that if you take any of these guys at 20, I'd be pretty satisfied. Um, You know, sort of little, uh, little cynical, but you know, any of the guys you just mentioned, that would be fine. If they took Jalen strong or or Devin fun, well, you know, if they took Jalen (laughs) strong or Byron Jones or Eric Rowe or somebody like that at 20, I'd say, good, great. Let's call it a day. Also, by the way, this is why I think that, you might want to trade up just a couple of spots to see if you could land like that next tier of player, um, even if it's at the, at the expense of having positional flexibility. But I would just say just take someone good. Just make sure that they're good. Um, and, you know, I think that if, you, if you're looking at how this draft shakes out, there's, there's a lot of talent where we need it. Um, we're in a good position right now. Yeah, uh, definitely flexible uh, Eagles can be uh, a, a really flexible throughout this, throughout this whole draft process, which is – which is kind of nice, but um, you know everything's uh, still a little scary. And one of those guys that might be able to help, uh, especially at safety, uh, as Mike K came, uh, he sat down with rather Davian Parms uh, from Florida Atlantic, 
and uh, got uh, his uh, thoughts on everything throughout the draft process. Joining us on the Duncanville Hotline, we have Damian Parms, safety uh, from Florida Atlantic University. How you doing, Damian? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, glad to have you on. You know, um, I know the Eagles spoke to you at the uh, Shrine game where you played very well in, and they also uh, were at your pro day. Um, can you kind of talk about what it's like to, to go from watching all these coaches and, and teams on on Sundays to actually being in front of them uh, in workouts? Um, honestly, it's a crazy process. I know would have thought like in a million years I would be in front of a bunch of NFL scouts and GMs or head coaches. Um, and, you know, in high school, I played basketball, so I didn't expect to be become a, a, a football player growing up. But, so the process was very exciting, being able to be in front of a, a bunch of my favorite teams and being, being able to be the athlete I am and show them my athleticism in front of them. Like, that, that, that's just crazy for me. You know, you're six foot two. You weigh over 200 pounds. You're a bigger safety. Um, you know, obviously the Eagles like bigger defensive backs. How do you think your size helps you at, at your position? Honestly, my size helps a lot. Um, I have long arms and rangy, big hands, um, and I can I can move just as well as any any short guy. And um, my hips are really good. I, I honestly think that that size helps with that position because. I can be able to play in coverage, and I can be able to play in the box. That's just why it's a linebacker or something like that. So, size, of course, it, it helps a lot being able to play safety. And then, as when you're deep middle, you can be able to, you basically be able to see everything that's going on. And it's, 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 it's a good feeling to be able to do that in my size. You know, a lot of people will make. Uh you know, note of you playing at FAU, which isn't really necessarily a big school, quote unquote. But you know, you went up against teams like Alabama this season, and you know, played pretty well. You know, you played teams like Tulane and and stuff like that. Do you think that it's fair to label you as a small school player? Um, honestly, going throughout this whole process, I've been hearing that probably every time I come in contact with a scout. That I'm from a small school there, small school there. I honestly didn't look at it that way because our schedule, our schedule is up there with the best of them. We always play top ranked teams every year since I've been at FAU. And I, it never crossed my mind that I would label myself as a small school guy. But I mean, being that I am from, a small, from, from what they consider a small school, you get treated differently, you know. You, you get treated differently than a guy from LSU or Alabama because because they they expect that we lack something that those big schools don't have. And but honestly, we played against every big school that that there is. We played against Alabama when they were ranked number one. We played against Auburn last year when they had one of the top ranked offenses. We played against a bunch of big schools, and that that never really phased me. That we get they consider us as a small school, but I guess you gotta take it with a grain of salt and you gotta move on and, and keep keep showing why you you're better than those guys in big schools. And that's how I took it. Um, you know, you you know, you're coming from the basketball background. How do you think that helps you as a defender? Oh, that helps me a lot because obviously in basketball you have to be able to stay in front of somebody and then in the basketball you have a bunch of shiftier people. 
And for me to be able to transfer that to the football field, I can also be able to stand front of somebody that's a part of it. Like the only difference is you know, between them and them. The only difference is you're between them and the goal line. you got to make sure you can act on the defense and, and nobody gets behind you. And that's basically how you got to play the play safety. you got to make sure nothing gets behind you and you got to stop everything from trying to get over the top of you. Would you say it's fair for you to be labeled an in-the-box only safety? No, that's, that's definitely not fair. The only reason I say that, that, that that's not fair is because I played in the box one year. And that was my senior year. My junior year, I played, I played free safety. And I covered, I covered all year. Had nine pass breakups, one interception, two for a fumble. So I, I don't think it's fair to, to just label me as a box safety. I honestly can cover it better than a lot of safeties, if not all safeties, because that's how, that's how confident I am in my coverage. My junior, my freshman and sophomore year, I played nickel and dime in the middle linebacker. So I'm very, I'm very rangy, and I don't think it's fair to say that I'm just labeled as a, a box safety. That's unfair to me. Would you ever consider playing linebacker at the next level? Um, honestly. You can put me anywhere on the field because I, I I believe I can make play no matter where you put me. So you put you put me at linebacker, I can pick up on the scheme and pick up on whatever line, whatever linebacker to do on the scheme. You put me at nickel, I can play nickel, cover anybody. You put me at strong safety, I can be able to play that. Free safety, I can play that. It, it, it doesn't matter where you put me as long as I'm on the field because I know I can make plays. Well, you know, the Eagles like versatility. What do you think you could bring to an, a defense like the Eagles? Uh, defense like the Eagles, I, I, for sure, I know I can bring coverage. I can bring, I can bring good technique. I can bring great open field tackling. I don't miss tackles. I can, I can bring good leadership. I know I can bring a bunch of qualities that you might, you will not see in every safety that's going to be in the, in the draft this year. Is there a guy that you model your game after in the NFL? Um, before um, before Sean Taylor passed, I, I really like Sean Taylor, but right now there's not there's not too many people that I, I would say I model myself after. Um, honestly, I like the way Cam Chancellor hits, um, and I know I love the way Aaron Thomas comes down here. I love the way he, I love the way he covers. But honestly, the, the guy that I look to and his patience and his feet is um, Darrell Reeves. I wouldn't say I matter with my game up there, but I love I love the way he covers. He's so patient. He he stays in front of every he stays in front of everybody. Hmm. Well, you know, we've talked about FAU, and uh, I'll ask you one more question before I let you go. Uh, you know, we talked about FAU. You guys have put out guys like Alfred Morris and uh, Lester Jean and Rusty Smith and, and Rob Hausler. Have you been able to lean on any of those guys during the process uh, in order to, like, be prepared for the NFL? Um, honestly, yeah. Um, I think, I believe last year I talked to Alfred a couple, couple times about the whole process and he was telling me how practices went and how fast that would be. And just recently, two of, two of the defensive players that I played with, um, Keith Russo and Aaron Jared Johnson, they both, they both, um, was in the, in the NFL for one year. And I asked them about 
how that transition was, and they both they both gave me good feedback about how the transition was that I should do as far as financially, saving up, getting getting good people around in my, in my circle, so I don't do anything stupid. Basically, those guys, because I, I play with those guys, so those guys meant more to me than, than Alfred Moore, because I, I was under the Alfred one year. With Keith Russo and with Randall Johnson, I was with them for three years. And they, those guys actually showed me on my first visit, on my first visit to SAU. So those guys, it meant, it meant more to me coming from those guys. And they, they made sure they told me the ins and outs about everything, the whole process. From starting from OTA all the way to the last end of the season. Just how everything works and, and how everything transitions from college life to the NFL life. And how you can't be the same as you were in college. How you have to change and, and be a better person and and on and off the field and and it was it, it was a lot to take care of when they were telling me but it's nothing that, that can't be done. Well, that's Damian Parms. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, no problem. No problem. Awesome. So thanks to uh, Damian Parms. Your uh, BLG final thoughts. It's just just we're kind of wrapping this uh, whole you know potpourri BGN Radio episode ninety four up here. Troy Palomalu. <laughs> who did not play for the Eagles, retired uh, last week. And I wrote an article about how Brian Dawkins was better. And that's how I feel. I feel like Brian Dawkins should go into the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't think Troy Palomalo is better than him. So that's my Hall of Fame take as we close the show. My final thoughts are short and sweet. See ya, Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> Guilty! I don't think we need to talk ourselves into settling for any of these prospects or... We're saying why we take this guy in the first. We can take this guy in a second. Uh, you know whether or not it's whether or not it's need based or anything else like that. I just think that there's there's this sort of conversation where people say like, well, why do we take Jake Fisher in the first and we could take Ali Marpet in the second, stuff like that. I think that's sort of that's sort of bad thinking. It's certainly the sort of thinking that ended up with Nate Allen. Uh, you know, just to just off the top of my head, an example. I I just think that um, as far as far as that thing goes. You should you should have a target and you should stick with it. You shouldn't be sort of thinking about, you know, well, what's what are we giving up or what are we doing this, that or the other thing? Because the fact of the matter is Jake keep, taking Jake Fisher doesn't keep you from taking Ali Marpet, but not taking Jake Fisher does keep you from taking Jake Fisher. True. Yeah, I see. I see where you're coming from on that. But I, I don't know. I'll say that. I think there is some, you know, credence to that. I, I just think if you are going to, for instance, like my opinion with. Uh, Aguilar and Strong and all those guys, I think you can find the same amount of talent the, the next round later. and it, 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 There's no real big difference between the two. Just the same as, well, yeah, you might not have a guy like Jake Fisher in the fifth round, but you might find Jason Kelsey. You know, so I, I think there's I think there's options there to, you know, it, where it's not... I, I get what you're saying, though. I don't think the Eagles are have to be locked into any one thing, and I agree with that. And if they want to go, just like was Brandon was saying, if they want to go wide receiver, great. And if they want to go cornerback, great. <laughs> you know, whatever's there. I just wouldn't want them to do – I wouldn't want them to take one of those wide receivers if Byron Jones or if Eric Rowe is still on that board or, you know, all, all that type of stuff. But I, I guess that's a, a debate we can have um, uh, for a long time. Uh, well, not too long, about 14 days before it actually happens. Uh, but uh, before we uh, uh, completely exit here, we're going to get uh, one of our uh, one more prospect in here that Mike sat down with from UCLA. Uh, another safety on board that could help, uh, possibly help out the Eagles, Mr. Anthony 
Jefferson as he uh, talked to him just last week. Now joining us on the Duncan Philly Hotline, we have UCLA defensive back Anthony Jefferson. How you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing good, really well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well as well. We're thrilled to have you on. Um, you know, we wanted to talk to you. You're obviously a defensive back with size. The Eagles really have a thing for DBs with size. Why do you think your size, uh, why do you think size at the position is so important? Well, I think, um, you know, at safety, they, they need size because of, I think, more of it is, you know, durability. Being able to come up and make plays consistently with your Using your body, that's like one of the biggest things that, you know, that I say, but they're looking for at a safety position. And, you know, another thing is um, just being able to move well with your side, that's, that's another big thing I'd like to see. Um, you know, you, you played uh, four seasons at UCLA. Um, did you... Did you have other offers coming into the NFL? I mean, coming, sorry, coming into college? And um, if so, why did you pick UCLA? Uh, well, my other options were uh, USC, Oregon, and um, Arizona. Those were like some of my top schools. But I chose UCLA because, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was like the, the best decision for me. Uh, when I, you know, visiting the school and the coaching staff and everything, and, you know, the players that I came in with me, we all were, you know, really good recruits. So everything just fit at the time. Um, you were a starter your last two years on campus. What was it like to go from, you know, you, you had your injury in 2011 and you were kind of a reserve special teams guy beforehand. What was it like to enter the starting lineup for a big program? Well, it's, it's, it's weird because I, it wasn't anything new to me. You know, I have been there for, for two years or whatever. And I knew the program, I knew the defense, so it was just more of a thing of um, just getting comfortable out there because I always knew I could play. I was always ready to play. I just had, you know, a few things that happened during my career, but once I did get the job, it was, it was a blessing. What was it like to play kind of in your own backyard? You know, you're from Los Angeles and obviously going to UCLA, it's pretty local. What was it like having your family in the crowd and being able to cheer you on? Honestly, I think that was one of the best best things about the whole college experience is being able to, you know, pull up to the tailgate and once we're walking to the stadium, being able to see, you know, my grandma, my dad, and my grandfather and everybody there supporting me. So that was really one of the biggest things to me. It was huge. You know, growing up, obviously L.A. hasn't had a team for quite a while, but did you grow up a fan of any particular team? I was always like a Niners fan. I, I always loved, you know, watching the Niners, especially because, uh, because of my dad. He's a big Niners fan himself. And, um... What are you doing this offseason to kind of prepare for the draft or prepare for you? Obviously, you've already had your pro day and you've obviously are the combines pass and everything. How? What are you doing uh, now that all that process is over? Well, now I'm, uh, I'm working out at uh, UCLA with my uh, strength coach at, at, the, at this time right now. Um, a bunch of guys... Uh, Know that I've gone on to the NFL previous years. We always like to come back to school and work out at, at a UCLA during the offseason, which is like now. So that's kind of what I'm doing to prepare to, um, to the draft day. Um, you know, you're coming out with guys like Brett Hundley and, and uh, Eric Kendricks. Have you guys have been able to lean on each other during the draft process? I mean, the thing is, we see these guys like every day. So it's, it's um, you know, we talk and we, we discuss. You know how, how everything can happen, pan out. But at this point, you know we just we're just you know it's out of our control. So what we like to do is 
just talk about what we can't control, and that's, you know, us and um, our relationships and us working out trying to get better. Can you talk about Brett as a leader? I think Brett is a, a phenomenal leader. He, um, he turned his team around after, you know, what, three seasons, first season being uh, USC. So I think a lot of guys um, were on board, especially on the offensive side, and even, even the whole team. Uh, he, he found a way to, you know, to put the team on his back in, in certain situations. And, you know, everyone respected him. Everyone, you know, wanted to see him, see him succeed. So I think that was huge. One last question before I get you out of here. If a team like the Eagles drafts you, what are they getting in Anthony Jefferson? You're getting a hard worker who was willing to do anything to make that team ultimately win a, a championship and, um, you know, win games. Um, that's just the type of guy I am. That's UCLA's Anthony Jefferson. Thanks for joining us, Anthony. Thank you. I appreciate it. So big uh, thank you to EJ Bibbs, Mr. Damian Parms, Anthony Jefferson, Trey Burton, and, of course, uh, Mike Mayock for all joining us right here on this episode of BGN Radio. For myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Brandon Lee Gout and James Elser and Matt Daring, we thank you so much for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Marcus Mariota. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Like an eight-hour delay. Uh, so, okay. Eight-hour delay. All right. I'm gonna oh, go I'm so sorry. No, it's canceled. It's a canceled right, flight. Dear, dear, then keep me updated. Call me when you get to Miami. Uh, yeah, it's a canceled flight. Love you. Right. And the winner is: is it canceled or is it delayed? <laughs> she missed her connecting flight. Oh. <laughs> Who had the field? Oh yeah, nobody. nobody I think I took the field. Oh wait, yeah, Brandon took the field. He wins. <laughs> Way to go, Brando.